The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. I hope you guys enjoy part two of my fun interview with our keynote speaker for Mavo 2023, Serena Irwin. So let's dive right in. What's your favorite part of your job? I love every part. I love receiving the scripts. To me, it's these incredible jewels that have been labored over by the writers. And I work with so many fantastic writers, so smart, so connected both to their heart and to their humorous. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so getting the script, being able to take some time to read it, then to handle the script analysis and then prep it for the individual actors that are coming in and think about some fun things that might be useful for those actors or might be playful, you know, something to play with. For me as a director, that's where I get to contribute choices too, you know. Yeah. And it's fun. So thinking about that, writing, prepping the script, and then, you know, getting to work with these incredible executive producers, these showrunners, as well as the actors and the engineers and having, as I mentioned, those just few minutes of chit chat with these people that I respect so much and then getting to play with the actors and (laughs) throw out some ideas that hopefully are of use or can be incorporated and help to elevate the project just one more little step. There's no part that I don't enjoy, and I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do work that I feel that way about. Yeah, I mean, I don't think—I think there are some people that try to get into this industry for the wrong reasons, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I think if you don't love every aspect of what you do, then you're never going to be completely fulfilled with this type of a job. But if you're a creative person, which obviously you are— it doesn't even feel like work, right? It's just you get to go and play every day. You get to go and have fun with these actors and just give direction. And yeah, it's so cool. All aspects of it are really cool. And listen, it doesn't mean that there aren't challenges. There are always challenges. And the challenges also are a part of what makes it interesting. To me, the only reason to go into the arts at all is if you enjoy challenges and you enjoy troubleshooting, because that is what your life essentially is. Whether you're an actor or a director or a producer or engineer or whatever, it's always troubleshooting. That, to me, is the extra exciting part, is when things go a little haywire. It's like, ooh, this is going to be fun. How are we going to figure this one out, you know? Gosh. Well, it's good that you feel that way, just in case anything goes wrong at the conference. (laughs) I'll be like, what do we do? Oh, don't, yeah, don't even worry. Like, I had a a teacher in college, Bill Peters. He said, make your problem your solution. So if you don't have enough money to do the project properly, make that a part of the solution. Whatever it is, make your problem the solution. I'll tell you every time I've run into something and then I hear those words, I always feel like that thing that is the problem actually has made the project more interesting. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's awesome. Okay. What would you say that your biggest accomplishment is at this point in your career? Staying in it this long. (laughs) (laughs) 
A hundred percent. It is a challenge. And there are times that are really, really hard and frustrating. And you feel heartbroken when things don't work out that you had wanted to have work out. And then you have these incredible victories and these celebration things to celebrate, you know. So just sticking with it. If this is really what you love to do, just know that there will be challenges and that that is absolutely okay and normal. And your creativity has the opportunity to expand and explode in those situations in the best of ways. I think the industry can be a lot of rejection. You know, it's a lot of auditions and a lot of rejections before you get a yes (laughs) sometimes. Do you have a good piece of advice for dealing with a lot of rejection in auditions? First, I would use different terminology because it's actually not a rejection. It's been very enlightening to be on the casting side of things because what I've realized is there's just an extraordinary amount of talent. So those who do not get the job that I'm possibly hiring for, it's not because they aren't talented. It's not because they didn't make great choices. There are many things considered for each part. And sometimes it's how do they sound together with another actor? And then as a group, like if it's an ensemble, then how do all of these pieces sound together? There's just so much and it fully stand by. It is not a rejection. I know that it feels that way, but it really isn't. It's just, okay, that part didn't work out for me. There's another part out there that will. Keep working hard and keep training and keep taking classes and but it is easy to look at it and go, oh, there's a lot of rejection, you know? <laughs> I guess yeah. it's-, it's not rejection. It's just not getting the job that yeah. you would like. And I will say what you just said is the most important thing, which is taking actions. You just mentioned a bunch of actions that you took. You know, yeah. it's like, well, then you got to get into class. You got to do that is so important to not wallow in it, you know, to, oh, I didn't get that. I really want it. I got (laughs) close. And how come? And what did I do? What didn't I do? None of that matters. That's just a story you're obsessing on. What you can do is take those actions you talked about. It doesn't even have to do with acting. It's like sometimes you need to have a physical outlet. So what are you doing to keep your body and your brain engaged? You going running? Are you, like me, mountain biking up in the mountains? Are you lifting weights? Are you taking dance class? You know, something has to happen physically too. And I know anytime I feel a little bit down in the dumps, if I just take a walk around the block, I feel a thousand times better. That definitely helps. I do the same thing. I'm I'm like, oh man, whatever happened, you know? And then sometimes I let it go to my head and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go walk for 30 minutes and then come reapproach this situation again. Or I think when I was first starting out and I was in acting classes in college and then outside of college, still taking acting classes and then taking some animation intensive workshops with Bob Bergen and like that were people that really inspire me. And one of the things that he said to me when I first started was, you got to get into improv class. He's Mm. like, improv is going to be key for you to get out of your head and stay out of your head. That's one of the main things. So I took one, and then I took two, and then I took a billion improv classes, and <laughs> and then I couldn't stop because I loved it. I was like, oh, I love this. This is so fun. Yeah. It was challenging at first. Improv is not an easy thing for everybody to just dive into, especially if you're kind of shy and 
at first. And then one class in, you're like, all right, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. I think improv helps a lot with making choices, you know, in terms of going back to here. You Now you have a script. You don't have to improv necessarily. But yeah, but your muscles, you know, or your brain muscles have been worked out so that you know how to navigate around and maybe uh, make some interesting choices because that's what you're doing in improv. D. Bradley Baker says the same thing. He thinks that improv is really, really essential to being a good voice actor and to being a good actor. And I think that that all goes back to just being available, alert and available, creative. Your brain is thinking for, you know, if you're in a comedy, it's like, well, where's the laugh? How am I going to get that laugh? Where is it? And hopefully it's in the script, but sometimes it might be in some tiny little thing you throw in. That was always the thing with me in improv, because I remember being in an acting class and we did like an improv section, you know. I was just (laughs) horrible at it. My teacher was like, okay, well, we're going to need to work on this a little more. And I was like, crap. And then after that, (laughs) after that class... I was like, you know what? I really got to take some more improv classes because this one just wasn't enough. And then I just remember being in and then it was just like allowing yourself to play, allowing yourself to be open to the situations like you said, you know, and it's not easy to do if you're kind of an uptight person sometimes, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. my whole life I've been a teacher as well. I'm a French teacher as well as being a voice actor and all the other stuff that I do. And so I think as a teacher, you have a tendency to be like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that because you have to, mm. like, give yourself permission to play. And so in voiceover, in those improv classes, that's what it really helped me to do was to be able to allow myself to play. And then sometimes when I go into an audition, I still have to tell myself, it's all right to be crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know if anyone listening has the same issues or struggles or challenges that they've faced over the years, but I, I think it can be kind of helpful to hear what people have gone through. So, so oh I'm yeah, throwing, throwing in Absolutely. my two cents there. <laughs> Absolutely, because we are a community. And, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, too. It's like we need each other for support, guidance, feedback, all of that. It is really important to support each other. And I think that so many auditions now, I have agents and everything, obviously. So I get my auditions from my agents for the most part, but I get a lot of referrals too. And being friends and networking with people in the industry is so important because they're more likely to be like, oh, hey, I have this French audition and I can't do it, but Val can because she speaks French fluently. So they'll Mm -hmm. send me stuff all the time for French, which is great. So it's Yeah, absolutely. And so... With your French, did you live in France? Mm-hmm. I lived in the south of France for a year when I was in college. How fun. So, Where yeah. in the south? I lived in Aix-en-Provence. How fun. I lived in Arcachon. It's near Bordeaux. For oh, okay. a little bit in high school, I went for one semester and, and lived with a family there who I'm still very close with, who oh, I consider so nice. like a family. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And it's great because they don't speak a lick of English, so right. it really forced me to <laughs> absolutely the get same. Better. I lived with a French family the first time I lived there. I did six months, then I came back to the U.S. and I was like, "What am I doing here? I need to live in France." <laughs> so I went back again for another six months, and oh, but cool. the first time I lived with a French family, and I also still keep in touch with them to this day, which is cool. It's they really do become your family, you know. Not absolutely. everyone has that experience, but I think a lot of people do when they go live with a as an exchange program. And I was in college, and my French family. It turns out my French mom 
didn't speak any English, but my French brothers, I found out 10 years after I lived there, they're like, oh, yeah, we spoke English fluently the whole time. <laughs> and we just they tricked it. you. Yeah, I was uh, like, what? Do you know how much so... easier my literature classes would have been if you had just helped me? And they're like, yeah, we know. I was like, oh, whatever. I was oh, my so gosh. Mad. That's so cool, though, because they really were looking out for you in doing they were. that. You know? Yeah, they were. I know. I need to go back and spend more time speaking. I just spoke with my French brother on WhatsApp recently, and oh, I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I can't even speak to you. Oh, I sound like a child. Oh, anytime you need to practice, just give me a call. We'll chat in Okay. French. Yeah, totally. That'd be fun. I love yeah. it. I definitely need I have one friend that speaks very well as well, and for some reason, she doesn't want to speak with me. I'm like, wait, am I that bad? You don't want to speak with me? <laughs> She's too kind to tell me, but I think I got to get to the bottom of it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe oh, an gosh. hour. We'll have tea and speak French, and you can tell me how horrible I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For anyone that's listening that hasn't studied another language but actually endeavors to do character voices, I think that studying another language is really a great way to start to figure out how you can make your mouth do things that you don't naturally do. And I remember distinctly when I was living in France, gosh, yeah, I just still sound like a foreigner in this land, even though my language skills are improving. And then I realized it clicked in. I had to act like a French person. You know, exactly. there had to be a different... Quand je, je parle français, c'est pas exactement la même chose quand je parle anglais. C'est complètement différent. Oui. And so figuring that out, oh my gosh, I'm not the same person in English that I am in French, was this incredible liberation and then I just dropped in and suddenly things just really clicked for me. And I think languages are so helpful with developing characters. So oh my if gosh, you yeah. are developing characters, take language class too. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm trying to learn Italian on Duolingo right now, which is <laughs> so hilarious because, <laughs> you know, it's Duolingo. But yeah. not that there's anything wrong with it. It's a great app. But it's funny because, you know, Italian is so similar to French, but... The grammar is so different. I have mm -hmm. like an Italian exchange student in one of my classes that I teach right now. Okay, so while you're here, I'm just going <laughs> to need you to forget about learning French and just, you know, <laughs> teach me uh, Italian. And she's like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, <laughs> just her English is perfect. She speaks Spanish fluently. She speaks French fluently. I'm wow. like, you can teach me Italian. You don't need my <laughs> class. Like this is, forget uh, the other people in here, you know. It's so funny. I took Italian in college, and it's the same thing. Like, I go there now, and I just feel like I'm a toddler. I mean, yeah. I'm better in French <laughs> than Italian by a long shot, but it's the same thing. Probably I'm destroying the grammar. I can pretty much tell you I'm destroying most everything, but I am able to at least communicate to get around and speak. <laughs> yeah. You know, I speak enough Italian, people can understand what the heck I'm saying, which is kind of nice. But it's the same thing. you got to drop into the personality of that. Rather than, it's not Serena speaking Italian, it's Sirena. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's so yeah. funny because, like, for my French classes, I always think sometimes I'll try out a new character on them, and they mostly just think I'm crazy because they're high school kids. And yeah, right. They're fine. like, oh, my gosh. It's like, what are you doing? You know? 
<laughs> and I'll come up with some crazy, and I'll be like, okay, today we are going to, uh, going to learn the conditional, and uh, what are you doing, you know? And uh, what if I talk like this all the time? And they're like, what are you doing? I'm just trying out a new character. And they're like, for what? You know what? For fun. Just go with it, okay? <laughs> so my brother lives in Staten Island, and I went to go visit him a few weeks ago. And we went to this grocery store, and there was this lady ringing up the groceries. We just named her Stella. It's like a stereotypical Staten Island name, you know. But as she's ringing up the groceries, she's the type of person who rings them up, scans everything herself, and puts everything in the bag herself. She doesn't mm -hmm. get help from someone who is bagging the groceries for her, you know, or you're right. not doing it yourself. So we're buying, like, cheese and some stuff to make a charcuterie board. And she's got this one, like, provolone or something, and the, the price tag rubs off, right? She's like, okay, Jerry, I'm going to need you to go and find another provolone, okay? Because, you know, these people, it looks like you guys are making a charcuterie board, a charcut, you know. So I rubbed off the price, so I'm going to have to go and have you find another one. Because, you know what, I don't want you to get home and... um be missing a cheese for the shakut because that's like not going to happen on my watch okay so no it's not <laughs> happening on my watch and she's going through and i'm dying i'm standing there just internalizing this accent and like <laughs> it was the best my brother is like oh man i'm gonna have to listen to you talk like this for the rest of the weekend aren't i and i'm like yeah probably <laughs> he's just oh my god oh was, i love it it was it's so, so great it's just like there's characters everywhere, you know, and you just want to try them out, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, absolutely. That's what's fun about it. Yeah. How do you find actors for the projects that you're casting? Uh, generally through agents. And I have a list of all the agencies and then send out along with sides and casting requirements. How does that work? Are there particular agents that you only work with or is it like a blanket casting or there's particular ones that you like working with and you send it to them first? Well, I certainly have relationships with certain agents, but I cast the net very far and okay. wide. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure how that worked, you know, because it's like, I mean, I have a few different agents, but sometimes there's a lot of overlap. You know, what you get from one agent, you get from another agent as well. So I guess it does make sense mm -hmm. that if you're casting the net wide, it would go to every, you know, a lot of people. Do you have any advice for what should or shouldn't be on an animation reel? Yeah, if it's characters on an animation reel, yeah. I would just make sure that there's variation, that each one really stands apart and is unique, and also that it explores different emotional states for that particular character. So try to create that text so that you can explore those opportunities. Are you getting animation demos from people or that goes through the agent and then you're just getting the auditions, right? Or are you hearing demo reels from people or no? Sometimes I do. Sometimes if I've heard an audition that I like, I will request the demo or I'll look around online to see if I can find the person's demo. Maybe I like the choices, but I don't think the voice is right. And then I might look around to see if they have other voices. I've done such a thing as to send the reel and the audition to a showrunner and say, hey, I like the choices made here. I would go with this voice on this reel that you can find at time code 38 seconds or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. just as sort of food for thought for the showrunner. 
because as you probably know, a casting agent kind of whittles everything down and then passes a casting director and then passes those on to the executive on the show, the showrunner. And then sometimes it's a conversation between showrunner and casting director to whittle that down. And sometimes the showrunner knows immediately, like from the block that's sent, which one they're resonating with. And sometimes it's like, hey, I don't think we found it. Can we hear some more? I don't think I knew that step in the process. I don't think I knew after the casting director what happened, actually. Yeah. That's good information to have. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on social media for actors? I think it's probably great as long as, you know, I mean, what you're doing on social media also represents how you want to be seen by the industry. Right. Do you ever give feedback to actors after an audition or is that not something? I mean, I know you're giving direction, but after it's done, do you ever give any feedback to them and say, like, maybe you could do this or that? No, I never have been in that situation. I think generally, probably for casting directors, there just isn't time to do that. There's a lot coming across their plates. So it's sort of like you do your audition, you stand behind it, and then you got to move on to whatever's next in your life, whether it's another audition or whether it's hanging out with your friends or going to an acting class or taking a walk or whatever. But yeah, I think class is more the place for feedback. That makes sense. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that casting directors in particular face today? The extraordinary number of talented human beings. (laughs) (laughs) No, No joke. There's so much talent. It is moving. It is kind of mind blowing. And I think the challenge is really finding the right talent for that particular job. And heartening if you know that you've auditioned for things and just haven't gotten the gig yet. As long as you're doing good work and you're making creative choices and you're reading the sides and really taking your time to do the detective work that you need to be doing, your time will likely come. It's tenaciousness is really important, I think, in this business. It's like to stick to it, if it's what you want to do, to keep doing the work. When I first started, everyone gave me the advice that it's not an overnight industry and that's just the way it is. Some people do get lucky, you know, and they're in the right place at the right time and they know the right people and it happens a little faster than others. But for the most part, I don't think it really happens for very many people overnight. You're not booking and then one day you are. Do you have anyone or anything that really inspires you? This is going to sound very general, but pretty much everyone I work with inspires (laughs) me. Yeah, I'm constantly inspired by the incredible depth of talent that I get to bear witness to, also by the tenacity of the people that surround me, the writers, the showrunners, the executives, the engineers, of course, the actors. It's impressive and inspirational. Do you have any upcoming projects that you'd like to mention that you're allowed to talk about? (laughs) I know, right? That's always the That's always the kicker. (laughs) I know. I can talk about some that are out and available for streaming that I'm very proud of, and that would be Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous and The Crudes Family Tree, Apple and Onion, and Wee Baby Bears, and Harley Quinn, and Baby Shark, which uh, is just such a sweet show. One thinks, oh, Baby Shark, oh my gosh, that song is going to get stuck in my head and I'll <laughs> never recover. But the scripts are just so witty and 
full of heart and just really sweet. I love the show and everybody involved with it. Same, all of the shows I'm on are just awesome. I feel very lucky. It's really a wonderful place to be, and I'm grateful for it. I have an upcoming show that just got announced I'm very excited about, which is Frog and Toad, which was my favorite series as a kiddo, book series. Rob Hoagie, who I worked with on one of my first things in that Andrea handed me, essentially, um, Nico and the Sword of Light, the EP slash showrunner on that was Rob Hoagie. And then he came to me with Frog and Toad, and it's a dream come true because the series is so near and dear to me. I was also able to cast the whole series as well. So I'm very excited. I'm very proud. And I believe it drops on Apple Plus. I think it's April 28th, but I'm not 100%. Oh, that's great. I loved those books. My gosh, those were some of my favorites too when I was a kid. That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Serena. It was such a pleasure to talk with you, and I learned so much, and I'm so looking forward to having you at Mevo 2023 in November as our keynote speaker, and I know that everyone listening is just dying to meet you and to learn from you and to take your sessions and to hear your keynote address, so I'm really looking forward to that. So in the meantime, I wish you tons of continued success in your career and everything you do. So I will put your social media handles in the show notes. And people can follow you there if they want to learn more. But again, good luck with everything. And thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much. I am really looking forward to November. And I'm looking forward to getting to work with some people at the event. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I hope you guys will check out our upcoming Mevo 2023 conference taking place on November 10th through 12th at the Westin Villas Hotel in Herndon, Virginia. Our keynote speaker is Serena Irwin. You can find all the details at our website at www.midatlanticvo.com and receive $125 off for the month of July when you purchase your ticket and pay in full with the promo code JULY125 at the top of checkout on Eventbrite. Don't forget to take advantage of that awesome deal, and I'll put all those details in the show notes. I hope to see you soon. Live with Squacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tag, Uncle Roy Oakleson of Antland Productions. Live with Squacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic Voiceover LLC and Antland Productions. Quack.